0: Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know we do close with some Gopher basketball as well, but we're going to basically focus here at the All-Star break. 31 and 28 are the Timberwolves since we have last did a show um, they were three and three, which is right around three and three, four and two where we thought they could be. Um, so we'll we'll have a little bit of uh, you know thoughts from the last few games during that stretch. We'll take a look uh, a little bit where you know where we're at in the standings and the goals and, and whatnot. but uh, also if you look at the schedule, it's kind of funky coming out of the out of the break. So this 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 la you know, this week off is needed though you can definitely tell the fatigue mentally and physically has kicked in. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of variety of, of of different type of defenses we're playing lately. The lack of a trade on trade deadline, that's something that we haven't discussed just yet. Just our overall thoughts Pat B got extended. Um, J Max been playing great these last few weeks, just a variety of stuff. And like I said, we definitely will close the show, um, with the gopher stuff. It, it's been a rough go. Speaking of wear and tear, man, you know, we knew that they were going to wear down from the uh, amount of minutes of starters, had. basically like six guys have to play and really four guys, I said, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's evident right now, <laughs> very evident. Anyway, we'll get into it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Living and Loser Bill podcast, welcome. It's available in a variety of areas. Um, you can go to Blog Talk. It actually, it streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropeadope Radio. You don't have to uh, download the show there at Block Talk and Ropeadope, or listen to it and browse. You can find this year' basketball podcast under the Ropeadope Radio podcast. On Apple Podcasts, Radio, Player FM, TuneIn, Amazon Music, a variety of other places. We're also part of the Grilling Shoe Sports Podcast Network. While right, you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingshoe.com. And one more place here, Living in Loserville Spricker. Over a year ago, Aaron started this uh, page. That's Living in Loserville Spricker. Of course, there's a bunch of uh, archive stuff. Every week, they up, we update it, or Aaron updated it. And he also has some podcasts of his own you may like, so it's living and Loser for Spricker. One more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as 69 99 a month. It's the best of live TV on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade the choice or ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus you can enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. If you go all the way to the premier package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime included in the monthly fee. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So um, basically, like I said, three and three. Um, heading into the break, down the stretch, it's nice to be above 500. It's only the second time basically since that season that we all know, that 2003-2004 season. It, it, it's been a long time since we can be in mid-February <laughs> and be happy where we're sitting. Um, sure, would you like to be a little higher? Sure, we, we could definitely say that, but uh, definitely like where they're sitting. I'm going to go ahead and bring in. Aaron, my co-host. What's going on, Aaron? How the heck are you? I know you're, uh, you know, a little down and out as far as uh, feeling like crap today.
1: Yeah, I got a little virus. I don't know what it was. But uh, you're right. It has been an awful long time since uh, we've had a positive outlook in this late in February. or um, You know, there's been a lot of questions that have been flying around this time of year. But, you know, usually we're looking at, you know, 17 and 30-something or Something like that. So it's nice to be above 500, although it's a little bit. And like you said, we would like it to be a little bit more, but, uh, you know, we can't, uh, complain at all at this point. Obviously the team went through a nice stretch of games, uh, didn't necessarily end well last night, but, uh, for the most part, they've been winning more than they've been losing and they've been beating bad teams. And that's kind of what you want to see.
0: Yeah. Last night, the, the shooting was just, uh, you know, not that they didn't get the open looks. Um, They definitely did. And you could even see in the the post presser, Finch was not all that pissed off or anything like that because he knew we played hard. We we were playing somewhat better defense in general, but the shots were just not falling, man. I mean, it was – when you look at it, Edwards – actually, Edwards got the line ten times. Six out of ten isn't great, um, but he was – 0 of eight overall and 0 for five from three. Towns was two of three. Uh, Pat Bed was two of four from three. But Delo two of eight. Prince only took three, hit one. McDaniel's one of seven. McLaughlin 0 of two. A good old beastly two of ten, uh, coming off <laughs> like 0 uh, for eight. Uh, you know, so that that can happen, right? But uh, you're right. It, it it was a little rough down the stretch. Uh, of that game. It was a winnable game. They just couldn't quite get over the hump. I am getting a little bit of an echo. Okay, I think it's gone now. Um,
1: well, I was going to say, I, you know, guys, over the course of a season, Chris, I mean, if you're not the Timberwolves, if you're going to lay a few eggs. You know, now you try to keep that to a minimum, but yeah, the shots aren't falling. You're going to have nights like that. and You know, you can step up defensively, and you know, that's the cliches, you, know, you know, get hardened up on defense, and try to win a game, but that's not always going to happen. And, and you're going to have off nights and, you know, it hasn't been too many this season where you go, you know, the shots just weren't falling. Now, like you said, whether that's fatigue or, you know, just general drain, um, it's hard to tell, but there are going to be nights, you know, even the best teams have nights where the shots aren't falling.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it just, you know, for uh, the fact that we got the open shots, you know, does make a big a big thing i think i think that that's quite nice in, in fact but the night before with charlotte they were down 13 point they got off to a great start uh the hornets kind of chopped all the way into the the lead that they had gotten early and uh they were down what 58 52 at half or something like that and like i said in the fourth quarter down by 13 and I really like what I saw. I mean, there's a variety of people that we can point out down the stretch. McDaniels, D'Lo, yada, yada, yada. But Cat was just a monster. I think he had 19 points in fourth quarter and OT, just going to the rack, hitting threes, just in general. And if you look at that, uh, so in the last four seasons, right, when trailing by 10 points in the fourth quarter, this stat is pretty crazy, okay? The Wolves are now 5 of 125, and 125, okay? Five wins, 125 losses when they've been down by 10 points in the fourth quarter of the last four seasons. That's pretty crazy. Now, however, that five, right? Keep Keep in mind that five wins, four of the five wins have come under Chris Finch. Something to think about. Kind of interesting how that worked out, um, but yeah, uh, that I really liked. You know how that we that we, they made that run. Um, you know they had two games. I'm getting an echo again. Uh, they had two games. You know, um, left back to back nights. We've been playing the four out of six games a fair amount in the last maybe five six months. But man, it was nice to get that W in. You know, got that Pacers W as well on Sunday. Um, but that's a telling stat. One, how bad we are, uh, the last four years and two, the fact that four out of the five came for fish. That, that's, that's not a bad thing. I'd have to say.
1: And how many five and 125 stats? I mean, I suppose the Timberwolves have a ton of stuff like that, but man, that's just as, that's just crazy. I don't even know what the percentage of that is. That's like 1%, maybe even less than 1%. No, I guess it's probably like 4%, 3%. Anyways, uh yeah, that's a telling stat. And, you know, that's kind of, Chris, we've been outlining that for the last three years about we'll have a lead going going into the fourth and then you're down by 10 all of a sudden and uh, you end up losing the game. And that's kind of been the, the M.O. for those years. And, you know, I'm not all that surprised that that's changed under Finch, but I am surprised at the level of that it got to. I mean, that was what one and 121 at some point, yeah, Uh before the season. So I mean, that's just that's <laughs> beyond bad. That's abysmal, and and uh, it's nice that that changes now. Hopefully, I don't think Finch is going to have a chance to maybe get that to 500. But Jesus, that's uh, very yeah, telling no what we're right. dealing with, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean. It, Talk about McDaniels a little bit. You said he had a really, I mean, this guy is just scratching the surface, Chris.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen a variety of the bench, you know, they've been herky jerky lately, but the bench has been stepping up. We've mentioned a, a variety of folks, how they got there, but the last, especially for a while now, but especially the last two games out of him has been. He's just done a little bit of everything. Two nights ago, 18.6 boards, three assists, four steals, two blocks, uh, plus eight in that. Last night, I think it was like 18 and nine or something like that. He's really coming around. And, you know, we've had, um, we've had to put him in the starting lineup here and there. Uh, When Ant went out uh, two nights ago at half, we put him in the starting lineup. When Dilo was out, he was in the starting lineup. Same with uh, Pat B. So he's, He stepped up, and it does feel like the beginning of that sophomore jinx season where he was falling too much, and he was just, I don't know, it just wasn't really himself. And I think, you know, teams had scouted him, and so he had to kind of just settle in. And now maybe the last 10, 15 games, maybe even more, he's really settled in. And the key is he's not just a guy that's going to, on offense anyway, a guy that's going to sit out there and just try to, Catch and shoot. When he gets the ball now, he's off the dribble way more. And his finishing at the rim has been a, such a key. So it is nice. You know, like I said, he was getting in a bunch of foul problems. Just wasn't himself early in the year. And it is nice that he, it looks like he's over the hump with that sophomore jinx. And like you said, I mean, this guy, he, you know, we know he's not going to be 225, 230 ever. But once he gets his strength as well, he's getting the confidence. He actually smiled in the game two nights ago. So, yeah, the guy's getting some confidence. And uh, and he's just a shy demeanor guy, not to say that he's like a negative guy, like he never smiles. He just, you know, he just has the same look on his face all the time. But it has been really nice uh, to see that because, you know, the bench, like, like I said, has been a little herky-jerky of late and. Here's a, that that second Kings game uh, that they lost. It was like through three quarters, the Wolves starters were like plus 16 in 19 minutes. Um, and then the other 17 minutes was like a, a minus 13. You know, there was maybe one score, uh, like for two or three games in a row where there was only one double digit score. They had heads. I didn't think they were going to, keep getting well over 50 as a bench every game like they were. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I like how we're, we're, we're still getting, you know, we need to get better at the bench, obviously like more consistent and, and kind of what it did for that three week stretch. But yeah, McDaniels, man, he, he, he's uh, really shown a whole lot and, and, you know, in a couple of years, we're definitely going to have to uh, extend him in and, keep him in there and everybody says it and can't deal they all are just you know so such an important offense and defense and it is nice to see his offense start to shine now he's more versatile going to the rack
1: yeah i mean you know cat said himself i think last week perhaps that um you know he thought the bench was winning them games and uh i thought you know there's some of that to it too but Uh, you know, Vando's a little banged up and hasn't really been the same. And, uh, you know, we can talk forever about, uh, our boy Beasley and and shots and he's just hadn't been hitting them, um, as of late. And so the bench has been a little bit erratic, but like you said, a lot of that has to do with maybe scouting. I mean, if, if you're winning games from your bench, I mean, the opponents have to start to look at your bench a little bit and do a little bit more scouting on that. Not that they hadn't before, but maybe there's a deeper emphasis on it and, Um, you know, I think it'll get back, like it'll turn another corner and the bench will be as effective as you were. Like you say, probably not 50 a night, but, uh, you know, good spell of time where they can get guys out, get them a break. And then still not, you know, end up in the positions we've seen old wool teams get into when they go to their bench. So, um, you know, when you talk about guys like Vando and McLaughlin and our, you know, some of the guys that are a little deeper in the bench, I mean, those guys are adequate when they come in, but, you would like to see at some point maybe an upgrade at the bottom of the bench, but, I mean, how long are you going to have, like, a 12-man rotation when you actually start playing meaningful games? I don't think that's going to be the case. But, you know, throughout the the length of a season, you're going to need, you know, player 11, player 12, player 13, down low on the bench, you know, due to injuries or fatigue or whatever it is. And and I think there's guys that can come in and play. Problem is, I think, a little bit that, like you said, you get a little fatigued, you get a little bit of, they get a little too much run, you know, perhaps when they shouldn't. And so I guess it's a double edged sword and and uh so far it's held up pretty well, but I I guess I could see a scenario where you would find the bench lacking coming down the stretch of the season. That makes sense. I mean, you're you are playing these players uh, you know, against some pretty good players and, and under a lot of pressure when the season kind of boils down.
0: Well, you know, Beasley got hot for about four or five games just around the trade deadline. Now, so we had to be like, oh, whoa, 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 we can't trade Beasley now. No way can we ju- No way, dude. No way. Um, but it also was during those bad games or bad teams that we played. So if they don't have a great starting lineup, what do they got coming off the bench? You know what I mean? So some of it was – I'm not saying that the bench, those five games of 50-plus, and I think it's been six so far, maybe seven in most of them beyond that one, um, in I think around Thanksgiving, we're in January and February of late, like we've talked about, but some of that, it, not smoke and mirrors, I'm not saying that, but, you know, like I said, if you're playing an inexperienced, not a great starting lineup, not a great team, what do they have off the bench? Probably, you know, a, a downgrade from that. So I think some of that just crazy 68 points and just dominating and, hey, let's keep the bench in. We're up by 15. Let's see what they can do. And so some of that was that. Some of it is uh, also what you say, like, you know, the fact that it, as we play tougher games and obviously in the playoffs, potentially the uh, playoff series, I should say, potentially, you know, that, you know, how, obviously the matchup, you know, has something to do with it, but yeah. How, how many minutes are you really going to get? And it's really that late third quarter, first couple minutes of the fourth quarter, and you can, that with the you know the first and second too that in the playoffs all of a sudden you know a 10-2 run and you're like ah right, we got to call a timeout let's call an extra timeout because we got to stop the momentum and give cat and somebody a little bit more break so we get we got to put them right back on the the court and, and part about part of this as far as being successful off the bench in general with the bench unit a good chunk of it right now is jmac as well this guy was on a stretch there where he played 136 minutes and hadn't had a turnover. He's only had one in quite some time, two quite some time. I mean, he got up in, the, what was it, uh, in a 15-game stretch, he had 54 assists and one turnover. Um, now the last couple of games, you know, he's kind of faltered down a little bit. But that's huge because we actually have a back-up point guard when we put Pat Bev in the starting lineup, you know, a handful of games in, maybe 10 games in, maybe not, something like that, it was like, well, we don't have a backup point guard at, right now because J-Mac wasn't playing that great or, earlier. But that's so key, man. And I've noticed, it, you know, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago where it's like I don't want to always take out D'Lo at the six-minute mark. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, well, we, we haven't even got enough minutes with the big three. I don't want to take him out that early all the time. And I think that we've done that enough. We also have seen Ant not at the six-minute mark, but coming out a little bit early in that uh, first and third and then playing with the bench but not having to run the offense like D'Lo had to. So it, it, it really fits nicely for Ant. Obviously, when you're 20, you can play more minutes in general, right, especially when the playoffs come. But it, it's kind of like a time for him to be the, the outright number one with no D'Lo and no Cat. But J-Mac helps make that possible. So J-Mac has really, you know, we talked about four guys, or five guys off the bench so far in the last couple of shows, and we hadn't talked about McLaughlin, and he's played phenomenal late, play, man.
1: And he adds a different, you know, flavor to the point guard position. I mean, Dilo's a point guard, you know, in air quotes, because he's he's a scorer, you know, and he does – very nice assists, and he runs the floor very well, so you can call him a point guard, but J-Mac is a point guard, you know, like, with a capital P. It's just like, okay, he knows his job is to facilitate the offense. His job is to you know, assist, get assists, and, and move the ball. and And Penetrate, so on. And, and penetrate exactly. Drive a dish. So I think you have, like, a good couple flavors of point guards there where, you know, different things call for different, different times call for different tools, I guess, and that's the you know, sometimes you need a, a guy that can come in like J Mac does and, and, and feed everybody. And then sometimes you need a guy that can come up and get his like, uh, like D'Angelo does. So I mean, different things come for different, but it's been impressive. And like you said, that stat about what, 54 assists to one turnover is yeah, huge. Uh, as far as, you know, you don't want to turn the ball over obviously, but, um, to have the assist ratio as well. I mean, it means you're putting the ball where it needs to be at the right time. And, and that's really what a point guard's job is. And at least a pure point guard anyway. And so that, you know, obviously he's doing a great job. I think some of the guys under him, like Noel and those guys, not really point guards, um, but you know, they can play the spot. I think there's another kid too. That's kind of a point, like scoring point guards. So they have like a pure one, like Ricky even wasn't a pure, well, I guess he's pretty close to a pure, pure point guard, but, um, yeah, I mean, but he's less scoring and more assists. So, and then J-Mac can get his shot if he wants it. And that's the threat that a point guard has to have. So, I mean, I think that you're right about it. I want to see it be more consistent as far as like, you know, uh or continue to be consistent in the fact that he's getting the assists. And and like, I feel like people are kind of, Chris, kind of, uh forming into their roles in, in at a really appropriate time, I think. And that has to do with the coaching of Finch and, and how he's kind of playing everybody and getting them minutes and letting them learn their role. And I think a great example of that is now uh the rise, I guess you could say the last few games of, of uh McDaniels. And, and what he's able to do is he looks a little freer. He looks a little bit more confident. Like you said, he a little bit more of what they want from him. He knows what, how to produce that. And I th- think that goes for a lot of guys on that bench and, he like said we've been impressed with it all season, and, and that's been really the difference I think uh, between last season and this season, among many other differences. But just having a bench that's timed out well with the kind of players that you that can you know actually accentuate your starting five, it seems very basic and very obvious. But for years we didn't have that; we'd lose ten point um, leads quick, you know, okay. to just lack of a bench. And it seems like we have that now and it's kind of the weave of the team has kind of come together. And now we're going to head into the break and get these guys a little, a little breather. Yeah,
0: no doubt about it. And we were talking about, you know, the, the mental and physical fatigue that just happens to every team uh, at the all star break. Our style of defense definitely lends itself to that even more. And one thing of late is the switching on defense more and more. And we, seen it in the last week, two weeks, something like that. One game we've really switched almost the whole time. And, you know, part of that is, hey, let's, let's give them a little break here because that style – and even a lot of people spoke at the beginning of the year saying, man, this style of defense is going to wear you out for a whole 82 games. And I actually have some stats that uh, going off of Denver because they run the same thing. Um, and how there is a little lull in the season that happens. We'll get to that in just a second. But, um, you know, I like that they're, you know, they played a little bit of zone the last couple of games as well, which, you know, you're going to need to do that. They, they weren't really able to be a good shooting team last night, not just the Chibbles, but, you know, the opponent last night, Toronto. But, you know, so we said, all right, do a zone. Let, let's try that. Um, but switching in general is such a key the playoffs and i like that you know it's it's it may bring our efficiency and bring some of our defensive numbers down you know it like it has a little bit we've also kind of fallen in love with being such a juggernaut on offense we're averaging since january 1st like 123 points a game um i think sometimes you do get lulled in these offensive games like that i think fatigue plays in it but switching is such a key because they find one or two guys in the playoffs, a good team in a series, and finds one or two guys that they want to get switched on and just exploit it until they play them off the court.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's mismatches right there. It's trying to switch to find the, the guy you want on a, on a different guy. And like you said, a lot of switching, I think is, and why it wasn't so great in the past is it's a trust thing. I mean, you have to trust that the guy's going to be as intense as you defensively when you switch off you got to know where to switch and who to switch to so you don't leave, you know, corner threes open and, and you know, things like that. So, I, I mean, that's been impressive because it seems like defensively – no, we're not – I'm not going to go and say that we're top five defensively. Bad at boys least,
0: Pistons, baby. Oh, sorry.
1: But we're playing defense. I mean, it's not like, yes. you know, it's not the world's greatest defense. It's not the Pistons, like you said, but it's <laughs> it's visible, accountable defense, which has been lacking in this franchise for a very long time. And it's such a nice thing to see. And so switching is a part of that. And I think like you're right in the playoffs, it's pick and roll and you pick, pick, pick to find the guy you want to roll on. And and that's just kind of how it goes. And like like you said, two players will just will eat you alive in that sense. So you have to know what you're switching to and and then you have to make adjustments and who's going to switch and who's not and all that kind of stuff playoff wise. But it's good to get, you know, it's like a series of baby steps here and, I guess we just didn't know how bad we were until we're watching it be kind of done right. it's like, okay, now we're going to learn switching, you know, and to do that appropriately. And it's like, (laughs) yes, these are NBA things that every other team does well. Apparently we didn't know how to do that. So now we have to learn how to do that. And like many other things on the squad, I think we're seeing that, which leads us a little bit. I think when we talk about later, if you want to broach it now that, not doing anything at the trade deadline, I thought, was imperative. And we talked about that for the last couple of weeks about just, you know, just leave it alone and see what you got. Well, yeah, and we'll talk about that. There is one
0: player, though, that we're talking about switching, that since we started doing this, that has been getting lit up, and, and, and it's probably going to continue to happen. Um, but also, and that has to do with the trade deadline. But that the deadline has gone and passed, but there is, you know, the buyout market as well but here's that little uh this is actually Dane Moore he was talking to a Denver beat writer and he was kind of explaining hey you know the first 40 games of this defensive system is just phenomenal right you're running all over the place you're getting steals you're getting blocks you're just you're just all over the place right Right. transition buckets and then for about 20 games you have this little lull where you're just you hit the wall your legs can't move as, as well as you could." Um, and, and then all of a sudden the last 15, 20 games, it, it goes back up and it literally like, this is the 18, 19 season when they were really doing a lot of this system. Um, and, and through the, through January 1st, the first couple months, right? The first 40 games, they were, uh, eighth in defensive rating. Then for about a month and a half, two months, they fell down to 23rd. And in the last chunk, they, they stepped it back up. And right now, the Wolves through January 1st were 11th, and this is defensive rating. So they were like eighth in, or yeah, eighth in points. You know, there's a, there's a variety of ways to measure, uh, not just points per game, especially in nowadays. But then now, since January 3rd, uh, you know, we've bumped down to 17th overall. So, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to make excuses 100% by any stretch, but that kind of, you know, a lot of box, boxing, a lot of basketball experts locally were like, man, there there's going to be a time where that defense is going to be a little rough. So I think it is a combination of being able to be versatile and throwing three different types of defenses at good teams, but also give them a little rest. And, and I think a guy like, you know, Fandell, he has been a little bit, he kind of had a little spark the other day, but he's been sp- – slower, clearly. He's even admitted it. And he's banged up a couple different ways. And the this week off is gonna work wonders for him. So I expect a, a nice fresh Vando to come back from the break. And just talking about where we stand here in seventh place, thirty one and twenty eight, the sixth spot where you don't have to play in anything. We're only two and a half games away and that's Denver uh beating Golden State last night or two nights ago, whichever. Um and then the Clippers are two and a half games behind. The Lakers are three and a half. And then Portland's, 20, you know, like a ways back, six games back. Um, and obviously, if, you know, we talked about how that six spot would be so key because then you know you're in a series. And more than likely, it feels like it's going to be Memphis, which is the most unexperienced team out of everyone there. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Memphis is having a great year. They're kind of ahead of schedule, too, but they're having a great year. But, you know, I'd rather have them than face Phoenix or Golden State. I think that's pretty pretty basic. Um, but we got to at least get the seventh or eighth spot just to get two shots at it. And it, you'd want that anyway, right? But with the Clippers, first of all, they have a veteran team, and they just got Covington. They just added parts and they're probably going to get Paul George back. We don't know about Kawhi Leonard just yet because of that, you know, he's off that ACL tear from last year in the playoffs, but this is a team that is damn good. That pushed um, Phoenix fair. I think to game six without Leonard um, with just Paul George and a variety of veteran guys and some like, man, a couple of young guys too. So, the scenario they could pass us, to be honest with you. But the in in Dallas and Denver, I don't know if they're going to come back or down. Denver does have like a the easiest quote unquote schedule on paper, and we don't know about injuries. Obviously, Dallas is kind of lingering where we don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up. They they got rid of Piz, uh, Porzingis, which is actually a tough matchup for us. Any big, it usually is like a big big, uh, usually is. But the scenario where it sits right now. You know, to have to play the Clippers, and then if you lose, you'll probably have to play the Lakers, which will be healthy by then, and you can already see they're getting healthier and healthier. It's just kind of a Minnesota sports thing, Aaron, to get, all right, we got, we made the we made the plan, we said we need to get there. We, okay, you got the Clippers, and if you lose, you got the Lakers. It, it, that's just a classic. It really brings me back to under KG when we finally got that home court, that fourth spot and then, oh, by the way, Shaq missed, like, 30 games that year, so the Lakers, who won the championship, were actually fifth that year, you know, it's just such a Minnesota thing, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with that, and like you said, it's like, you know, there's two ways of looking at it, I guess, you could say, well, you want to face a great team to see what you have, because you're probably not going to go past one series anyway, so you might want to face, you know, one of the better teams, but then again, you kind of want to have a chance at it, and and see what happens through a longer series i mean most likely without you know some help of i won't say a miracle but at least a little bit of divine intervention you probably won't get by the clippers but you could get by like memphis like you said or something like that but um how, how much good does that do you i guess that confidence wise probably a lot but as far as like evaluating the team and and so on, I think you want to play against uh, the Clippers or something like that. But I expect the Lakers to make a run here, Chris. Like you said, they're getting healthy, and it's LeBron, and it's playoff time, and they got good pieces on that team. So they're going to make a run and probably probably pass us. Uh They're not that far behind. But, you know, Denver's touchable. Uh, I think they could do – they're pretty good too as well. But, you know, at this point, getting into the dance eight, sucks but seven six those you don't want to be the play-in obviously if you stick with the six that's optimum because you can really get a look like let's say you lose the play-in game that doesn't really tell you a whole lot you want to kind of go yeah into you'd rather game, have
0: at least four games you know of that playoff atmosphere
1: yeah and just kind of judge everything but you know at this point beggars can't be choosers we'll take the play-in game but we're not you know that doesn't do you a heck of a lot for evaluation and that's kind of what you look at i mean you're gonna need to find parts around the three I, i'm I think we all can agree we've got a good three, possible four, depending on the ascension of McDaniels. Um, now you can start to look at what are the appropriate parts, and I don't think you can do that with a play-in game, win or lose.
0: And coming out of the break here, it's it's pretty funky, right? So we come out of the break and play a back-to-back game, right? Then we have the, the uh, Saturday and Sunday, i play back-to-back. Then we get a couple days off back-to-back. <laughs> it's 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 actually – and then we actually have a little lull there where we have um, a, a, a Sunday off, play Monday, Tuesday, every other, and then another back-to-back. So it's going to be pretty intense. That actually – that schedule, they were talking about it on the broadcast, that – someone hasn't had to make that run since 2016, um, which is always fun. But, yeah, coming out of the break, Memphis – Philly, Cleveland, and Golden State, Um that you know, two out of the three are, are at home. So that's one of those. If you can go two and two in that stretch, that's great because then you get to the OKC, Portland, Portland, OKC, Orlando stretch, where you could maybe put four out of those five games together or something like that. And we're just going to have to keep uh striding. And like you said, as far as like, you know, adding after the season, the fact that we didn't, you know make a, you know, a significant move, or not even significant, just adding somebody at the, you know, at the deadline. I will say this. one: our, The biggest need right now is a backup center. Just what if Nas Reed got hurt. Chris uh, Chris Paul. Um, Cat, foul problems, you know, like just having a guy who, and then our, our defensive rebounding is the worst in the league. We're, we're pretty good at offensive rebound. A lot of that has to do with Vando, though. In the amount of three-point shots we take, that usually on average, game in, game out, eight, two games, the ball comes out a little further, so you do get a little bit better chance at of an offensive rebound. But some nights the offensive rebound on the other side, though, is just horrendous. So our defensive rebounding is rough. And as much as I like Nas, he, he, he's a good offensive player. And don't get me wrong, he can get blocked shots. But he's not a consistent rebounder, and even like he'll get a block shot, not kind of catching up to somebody or whatever, or maybe get burnt, but then make up and then block. You know, he's had some really good blocks, and I, I like what he's done to his body's way more flexible, way more quicker off the dribble. I mean, some of the you know dribble dunks, drives he's had are just they've been great. But point is, if he got hurt, we'd need a backup center. Or, like I said, if Cat gets in foul problems, which, you know, I'm not even going to knock on wood on that. You know what I mean? He can get in foul problems. late Lady hasn't, but overall he could. And and so you just need that depth. So I was a little like, hmm, you're telling me we couldn't have put a couple of uh, second-round picks and, you know, traits of people that aren't even going to play this year uh, eh, any longer? Uh, but then again, when I looked more into it, Aaron, there was an overload of teams um, playoff teams that wanted that exact thing, a backup center, just for extra depth. So it kind of created a lot of talk, but really no play. Um, there was only one um, that really got, like, well, there was a couple that got traded, but there's plenty that are still there. So, um, and some of them are going to get bought out. Uh, Montrell's Harold was one that we actually played the other the other day who could rebound pretty well he's not gonna shot block but he's just an energy guy he can clean up and do some of that dirty work and just be an energy guy but early march the buyout market should be able to fill because we do a lot of people haven't been talking about this but we do have one roster spot open so the fact that we got that open um tells me we're probably going to get some sort of veteran backup center.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great assessment. I don't know what else to add to that. I think you're right. I think that, you know, if you are knock on wood in a playoff series, they're probably just going to go at Cat and try to get him to collect fouls and try to win games that way because you're you're right. I mean, Nas is good at what he does, but he's more of an offensive guy, and you're going to need someone, you know, what if – You know, Cat gets three fouls and Nas gets three fouls. And what do you have? Then you got Bando and and a few other parts. I mean, that seems like a pretty good strategy to beat us at this point in time. And so I think you're right about that. But I think that's also like finding a needle in the haystack. I mean, like you said, it's tough to find the guy that you're looking for. I think a lot of teams want to find that guy, and there's just not enough of them, whether that be genetics and just not enough tall people that can do that or tall basketball players or whatever it is, you might have to get like a gritty 6'8 guy that can come in and like, maybe like a Gary Trent kind of clone, who can kind of get those rebounds, and do the dirty work, but not be, you know, 6'11", six, 6. And there's probably a lot of options as far as that goes, but um still be able to score too, because if Cat's out, you're going to need some punch from down low at some point. So that is a, a very big dilemma, I think, and that'll be definitely stick its, uh, rear its head in, in postseason play and maybe even coming down the stretch in the season. Um, but I think, you know, as it goes right now, I mean, you could retool Nile, uh, uh, read a little bit, I think, you know, but still, I don't think you're going to find the what you're looking for. So that's always been a problem again, the forward position, like you said as well. Vando's good, but I think Vando's a better number two option in that position and maybe have someone with a little bit more strength in the in that starter next to cat or vice versa put cat at the four and have the five but um yeah i think that's a great assessment and i don't know what else to i mean i think guards were fine we could probably lose a couple forwards with mcdaniel's rising i think that helps a little bit um but yeah i mean that's definitely achilles heel coming in to the stretch in the postseason i guess i don't know what you're talking about really about the uh the buyout thing, can we pick up a guy? I guess I don't know. Well, There's a buyout
0: him. market that'll. We got to wait till March because then the uh, the money goes down a little bit so we can afford it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have to do that. And teams will just buy out a player, just completely buy out. He's off the roster. Mm-hmm. And it happens every year uh, to multiple guys and even some named guys that are just a little bit old, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing or, yeah. or, or whatever. Or they just like a youngster that's just coming up and they're like, let's just, you know, make room and we're going to do a buyout for a guard instead, you know, that type of thing. So that it's there. I'd be surprised if they didn't get somebody. But And I'm talking about Band-Aid minutes. You know, I'm not talking Mm.
1: about, uh, you know,
0: too much, uh, you know, really just Band-Aid a a handful of minutes twice a game type stuff. That's why it was like, man, you know, uh, trading two twos, you know, in, in some dudes that aren't going to play. That would have been nice, but it did kind of spark up that the team's just held. They're like, you know what? We're, we're, we're asked. There's just too, it's too much. They wanted too much for a guy that we're not going to use a ton. And maybe once you get to the playoffs, it matters, you know, ma- uh, kind of matters to the, the, the matchup. Some of these guys may not even play a lot. So then you're like, well, we just gave up assets that we could do as a, you know, as the buyout market or maybe in the free agency or a trade or whatever. It just Nas is too small to play on a bigger center
1: Mm.
0: and he's, he's too slow. Uh, you know, he's basically, when we talked about who they're going to switch on Nas is who they've been doing ever since we've been switching. He's been getting cooked. So that, that's one of those things where you're like, not only do we need it, but if we're going to switch, he's going to get cooked, um, on average anyway. Um, but not to say he's, he's improved his game in a, a variety of ways, though, and, and you know, he, he's a solid player. I'm not trying to rip on him over the, top, over the top, but it is what it is. Speaking of, and, you know, next year in the free agency, we're not going to get into the free agent market per se, but there's not – first of all, in free agency, you're always overspending, right? And they made the decision to go, well, in the free agency, if we were going to pay someone $13 million – what are we looking at here? Like I said, you always know, overpay in the free agent market, period. And so they said, you know what? Pat Bev, Pat Bev right there. He's a shooter. He's a, you know, on the ball defender. Um, he's a leader. Even when he's been hurt with that groin, he's on, the, you, you think he's a player assistant coach. You know what I mean? He's just uh, been wonderful for the squad. And so it was good news to know that we got him extended for a year uh whether it's trade him next year whether he stays whether you know he's healthy next year too and we give him another extension i just think that they looked at the market the availability and said you know what this money right here is probably well spent
1: yeah better to keep him i think than to just like flounder without him and he's been such a a spark defensively for this team. I'm not going to put the whole defensive turnaround on him, but i will give him a nice chunk of it. And I think that his attitude and maybe just getting in guys faces about it probably helped. Now, you know, Butler tried to do that, but I, you know, that's Jimmy Butler as a whole. He really won't want to
0: fight him, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, you got to say that Beverly's at least worth that. Now, if you get to a point where you think you can move Beverly, then we're doing pretty damn good next season. So, I mean, I just think he's, Really made his mark here quickly on some of these young guys and it's a young team still. And you know, they need to see some example. And I think for love him or hate him, most people like him, but some people don't. I, mean, I think he's been a good example, at least to get these guys. We've seen the results, Chris. We've seen the, the pickup in defense and intensity. Um, and, and some other ones too, but that's a major one that I've seen. And if that's Pat Bev, then I, one year's not enough to me. I think you, you give him more, but. You know, they'll settle in on what they settle in on. And so yeah, I'm glad that he got re-signed and, and, uh, and, you know, the stretch is where it's all going to count, Chris. And they, we're we're going to get there in what 20 games or so, but that's when it's going to come. I mean, you get a tough stretch of games coming up here, but then you said it lightens up a little bit so you can make up whatever you lost in that last stretch. But you need a guy like Pat Beverly, you know, just to keep the defensive intensity going because you know, we've swooned in a lot of seasons, uh, prior to this, had a great first half. Well, I won't say great first half, but an adequate first half. And then, you know, down the tubes, the, the second half of the season. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying we've seen it before. And a guy like that, I think is a stopper for things like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the last time beyond the, the, the Butler year was, uh, that four, I think it was 2012 or 13, that 40 and 42. Um, but we kind of peaked a little bit late um, in that year to get even to 40 and 42. And I think the reason why they didn't extend him longer is just because, you know, he has been banged up this year, and then if you look at his the last few years, I mean, he's 33 going on 34, and his playing style is he's probably more like 37, you know. We were talking about it off air about Anthony Barwell, How old is he? Well, it's kind of like a boxer. It's like that's ah, not H. What, what kind of wear and tear does he have on him? And so I think that plays into it, where we can always extend him again. Um, and if we let him go to free agency, then we, you know, signed him. We wouldn't be able to even if there was a trade available. We'd have to wait till January fifteenth because of the the contract stuff, um, the bargaining agreements, and all that. But here's another major factor. So um, technically, Beverly has. Two years, or not Beverly, but uh, Beasley has two years on his deal left. But the last year is a team option. So heading to the trade den- deadline next year, you'd have Beasley and Bev potentially on the block. And I'm just talking here, or this offseason, by the way, Twenty eight point five in expiring contracts, 28.5 million, whether it's end of next year. Trading something to to get out to get a bigger piece because those teams are like hey we want to free up some money so we'll we'll make the trade we'll get a pick from you and then you know we'll go in the off season and have some cap room and if they like Beasley well then you got a team option to keep them if you like so it's it's much easier to trade um Beasley next year than this year and we kind of knew from his you know the off the court stuff in this summer that that was going to be the case. Um, so I think it just it just plays well, but I really think it's just can you really give him a two or three year extension when he's he hasn't you know he's always missed about twenty games the last few years, so I think that plays into it um as well so um I wanted to touch on one more thing. what was it? can't remember, but overall i'm I'm pretty damn happy. Right. I mean, we can't really complain too much, considering that we were one of the hardest hit teams as far as the the covid stuff for starters. That was a little rough. We've been knock on wood, pretty healthy. We heard about uh, Ant's, you know, um, jumper knee with some soreness. Some of those games where he wasn't able to explode like he did Then the last handful of games, he said he feels great. Hopefully that ankle is just a little tweak. Like we said, Fando, I think is going to be, everyone's going to be healthy coming back that way, but I think Fando, especially because the what, what he's done this year, defense, offensive rebound, his passing, his finishing, to me, I think we're pretty good at the four, um, a lot better than we were uh, last year and the year before, uh, that's for sure, but any overall thoughts just in general, um as we kind of wrap up some of this and and, and kind of finish out talking a little bit of the golfers anyway?
1: I think we touched on just about everything we wanted to to move to the golfers. I guess they managed to get a win, Chris, but it, at some point we're at a point where it's like we kind of know what the story is for them this season, and it's like, well yeah pick up a win here pick up a a thing here somebody plays well you start to look at parts and pieces and say okay well this is going to work look at the system look at you know what's going on but at the same time it's just kind of like as Fleck would say year zero at this point I mean it's a piecemeal team done over the summer and it's nice to see them you know playing together and all that but it's a talent deficit at this point and and a a, a longevity deficit at this point. So, I mean, it's nice to see them get a win. And, uh, you know, but then they come out and and lay an egg against them. I don't know. I mean, where do you stand on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I did like just just for, you know, morale (laughs) to get that Penn State win because they had their worst performance against Nebraska. Um, The old vet, Curry, had a nice breakout game but the last two games the second half i mean that ohio state game even the penn state game today was rough and that that kind of stuck up on me i was like oh that's right They're, they they had that little break so they had to they had to play today during the day but you know a key thing like down the stretch of the second half of that ohio state game which by the way we we're right in the game 47 to 20 in the second half dude that was super rough, but, you know, you can look at the difference between, you know, Peyton Williams in that win, he had 10 assists against Penn State, turn right back around and had one assist, and, you know, too many turnovers, and I I really think, I do like, like, Luke uh, Lowey has actually been a lot more consistent the last eight games or something like that, Um, but I think they're just wearing down, man, I think they're really, really wearing down. It's just finally, you know, the wheels have come off all the way. But technically speaking, to get more practices and more games, um, the NIT is still obtainable. But yeah, we got to start winning some games down the stretch here because we only got a few weeks left, you know?
1: And that bench, Chris, it just needs to be, well, we need to have one, you know? Yeah. You can't play these (laughs) minutes and try to come down the stretch, especially in the Big Ten, as rough of a league as it is. I mean, you're going to get worn down, and uh you play games like Maryland and, and Illinois, and these guys are going to beat the crap out of you, and that's kind of what's been happening. I do like Lowy. I think that's a piece going forward. Uh, battle's nice. Willis at times is great, um, but like I said, you're going to need to have uh more than six guys and sometimes five to play in the Big Ten. So like you said, we put the team together. Everybody kind of knew what was going to be, and I think if you can get to the NIT and get those practices, Chris, that's a win for the season. I think that's that's actually a positive outcome that you could, you know, no matter how well you do in the NIT, I think just getting there is probably uh, something to to strive for and get the extra practices and and, uh, actually play in some tournament of some type. And I think that's important for the growth, but at the same time, it's like you've got to get stronger in the Big Ten. You've got to get, Better shooting, better defense. There's a lot that you need to have, but we all kind of knew that walking in.
0: And, you know, if any team, any program is capable of making a run in the NIT, I mean, come on. Come on. We own, we own the tournament. I mean, we got belts and everything. So, anyway, we'll be back next week. Um, the games don't start for the Timberwolves till Thursday, where they play Thursday and Friday right off the jump. I think it's four games, six nights uh, coming right back at you. So they better kick the feet up and take the ice baths and do some hot yoga or whatever you got to do. Sit on a beach with, you know, some straws in your glasses. Whatever you got to do, uh, they got to do it. They definitely got to do it, but it it has been a fun season so far. And, uh, knock on wood. I mean, if nothing happens horribly anyway to the big three, they're, they're going to be. In the plan, at least, just just off of having a a seven game lead or whatever. That that's not going anywhere, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, man. But anyway, we'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? haha in my dentist's office.